Welcome to Pro Audio Profiles. My name is Brendan Decora, and each week I'll be hosting different guests, mainly engineers and producers, but also people from across the industry. Enjoy. On today's show, we have Clint Wielander. He has credits with Jimmy Cliff, The Avalanches, DJ Khaled, and Rancid. Enjoy. First and foremost, I want to thank you for being here. Oh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Thanks for uh, having me on. Of course. Of yeah, course. <laughs> um, I'd like to start by going over your backstory, your history, if you want to share sure. how you got to where you are, sure. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a long story. But, yeah, feel uh, free. Like, we yeah. can go on for 15 minutes if you want. Sure. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'll start from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I think I just have always been kind of obsessed with recording things mm-hmm. and music. When I was a kid, I used to make radio shows with my friend uh, oh, really? in my bedroom. We ha- I just had like a cassette player that I realized that had a built-in mic one day. And okay. So we just hit record and we'd do little skits, like nice. comedy skits, or we'd like sing or whatever. And then, yeah. uh, So that was, I don't know, I was probably like nine years old or something. Right, right. And then... Um, I think I saw the movie Home Alone 2, and uh, he had this little thing called a Talk Boy, which was okay. like this little cassette recorder right. and it had a pitch uh, fader on it, okay, and it had like yeah. a backward switch. Right. And so uh, I, I think I, you know, begged my parents for that for Christmas, and I got that, <laughs> and then it was on because I could, nice. I could talk into that, and I could change my voice and play right. it back, and I would just sit with that for hours. And, That's awesome. Yeah, so I kind of like. Nice really loved recording myself when I was a kid and yeah. then um, um, you know when I w- the school that I went to in Iowa uh, it's just like a small town mm-hmm. and so it, they were very obsessed with sports and okay. so they just got me into sports and I kind of like forgot about music I always loved music but I forgot about like doing it you know I played I took piano lessons and drum lessons for a while but it was more like all about sports until I got right. out of high school and then, I don't know, I think I was like a junior in high school and I sort of like got back into music and I really loved uh, hip hop. And so I got into DJing and like okay. uh, from there I got into beat making, like very r- rudimentary mm-hmm. stuff. And then uh, my friend Matt uh, loved rapping and so he was rapping over my beats and I used right. to, I started recording him. Uh, very simply into this like HP computer and like okay. a Radio Shack mic and some yeah. <laughs> really bad software yeah. <laughs> uh, called Cakewalk. Right. That was like, it's yeah. like a Pro Tools for beginners. It's still around. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, <laughs> that's how I started. So that would have been, you know, just out of high school, just uh, getting into college. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to college at University of Iowa. Okay. And so um, my friend Matt went to a community college that was near there. So at the time, I was still making beats for him uh, and then uh, recording him. And then uh, he ended up moving out of town, and mm-hmm. I was still kind of obsessed with recording stuff. So I I, um, I actually got a degree in business management from U Iowa, but I started uh-huh. taking classes in the music building while I was there. Mm-hmm. And so um, luckily, they just had offered this class called you know, introductory to music recording 101 or something like that. And so I just, I saw a sign on a door when I was walking around the music building Mm -hmm. for that. And so I signed up and it ended up being just me and one other kid that signed up. Oh wow! So it was me and Tommy and the, um, 
the instructor was the engineer for the music building. His okay. name was Joel. And uh, so we got really good hands-on, you know, pretty much one-on-one -on -one training nice. from Joel. And he kind of taught us the right way to do stuff right, right away. Right. So we learned how to do Pro Tools right away. And the uh, music building had this kind of central control room that connected to all all the the concert halls in there you oh, could cool. video in there and they had this old like broadcast neve in there right right nice. so he showed us a lot of the basic stuff like right away and mm -hmm. and taught us the right thing to do so uh i started working a little bit in the music building for him uh helping mm -hmm. record some some of the concerts and ensembles and stuff and um okay then when i graduated I just kind of felt like, okay, this is, I'm very passionate about this. This is what right. I want to do. Right. What do I do next? And Joel said, well, you should probably go check out this other school uh, called Conservatory of Recording Arts. Right. So I went there. It's in Phoenix. Nice. Uh, That's where I went to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I went there. Uh, it's like a year long or a little yeah. less. And, uh -huh. uh, Really learned a lot. You know, they really teach you kind of like, this is what the industry is going to be like. You know, right. be prepared for this. Be prepared mm -hmm. to be a runner. You know, you don't get to just jump in and do what you want to do right away. Right. You got to go through right. the system. So uh, that was really good. And then they kind of just let you use the studio as much as you want. Like, yeah. you just go in there all night if you want. So I took advantage of that. And um, then eventually moved to L.A. from there with, like... Mm -hmm five or six other dudes that went to the school with yeah, me you know yeah. we all went to wait a minute so yeah. when i was there i was planning on moving back home yeah and you know my whole family had moved away from my hometown and so i had kind of nothing to go back to and it was kind of a smaller town and it's like well i could bite the bullet and go to la where all the big studios are or you know i don't know what go back home yeah. to nothing yeah and so i'm wondering did you always have the plan of coming to la after or how did that work out not really it was just kind of like when we were in school they were like okay these are the cities you can go to where there's going to be the industry you can right. go to atlanta you go to nashville you can go to new york or you go mm -hmm. to la yeah and we were in phoenix and we're like well we can drive to la yeah <laughs> and we can all go together and go in on a place right. so that was kind of like the yep. cheapest most That's exactly what i like did. sensible <laughs> option you know yeah. And so we just all drove out, I think, one weekend before, and we, we drove around, and we were just kind of like, you know, a little bit, like, blurry-eyed, like, <laughs> whoa, this place is huge, and, like, right. we're lost. <laughs> and, you know, we found a place in the valley. We rented mm -hmm. this house in Van Nuys. And, nice. You know, it was a good place to start out, and, you know, it was cheap enough for all of us to, because right, right. we, we all shared on the place. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, we got our, got our feet wet. I think almost everybody ended up moving out of town except for me and one other guy. Right. So, you know, it was kind of a cool little place to start out. And we, like, mm -hmm. built a little studio in the house. And, nice. Uh, you know. Nice. So then you did your internship. Where did you start out at studio? Oh, yeah. So I did an internship at this place called Studio Atlantis. Really? So did I. You did? Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. So you that. know about that. So it was like, yes. a, it's like a pop hip-hop studio. Uh -huh. And I thought that's what I wanted to... That's like the area of music I wanted to be in because right. I really love that music and I like making beats. Mm -hmm. And um, But then when, when I started interning there, I started to realize like, it wasn't exactly what I wanted because, yeah. like, they mostly just record vocals all the time yeah. and they work in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it's very, like, heavy on the industry side where there's, like, just a lot of, uh, you know, 
extra people around, yes. you know? Yes. And uh, also, it just seemed like that studio had so many interns that it was like I had very little <laughs> chance of ever, like, moving up the ladder. Right, right. And so I just started going around L.A., uh, just trying to find, a like, a actual gig. Yeah. And so I um, just throwing out resumes everywhere and i had already sent one to sunset sound mm -hmm. uh, while i was at the conservatory okay. and they just hit me up one day like hey we need a runner at the sound factory you know can right. you are you interested and i was like yeah nice. like, when can you start i'm like all right tomorrow she right. showed up the next day <laughs> and i was ready nice. so i started at the sound factory as the runner that was my first paid gig okay yeah and um Nice. I was there for two and a half years as a runner until I became the assistant finally. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, then from there I just learned so much. Right. So yeah. is it, I know Sunset, you know, there's the Sound Factory and then um, Sunset Sound. Yeah. When you're staff there, were you only at the Sound Factory or was it both facilities? So it was kind of like, I at at the time they had... They they had Sound Factory, mm -hmm. and so that would they had two rooms at Sound Factory, right. and then the three at Sunset. So basically, like when you were assistant at the time, you kind of got a room. So okay. I was like the Studio A at Sound Factory guy, right. and then sometimes I would do Studio B at Sound Factory if you know the producer that was in there wanted me, or if the like right. scheduling worked right. that way, and then uh, occasionally they would need somebody at Sunset Sound to right. fill in. Mm -hmm. And so then they would ask me to do that. Okay. Okay. And, but mostly I was at Sound Factory for about, probably about five or six years. Yeah. Um, assisting, and then I got into engineering a little bit, and then they sold it. Right. And so then I was kind of like, I didn't have a spot because there was other guys at right, Sunset Sound. Right. And so I started to kind of float around freelance a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then eventually one of the people that was at Sunset left and then they, I was the first okay. person they called. Right. So right. then I got back in and started assisting nice. over there. And, okay. uh, so then I've been there since probably like 2015, I think mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. so, and nowadays are you doing more engineering production mixing stuff yeah i think mostly engineering uh occasionally assisting and then mixing when i can yeah when i can convince people to let me mix you know how hard <laughs> nice. that is sometimes because yeah. either they want an all-star or they think it's good to have different people mix yeah. it and record it yeah it varies i mean i've yeah. been doing a lot of mixing lately but yeah. i've also done a lot of projects where i've you know, we'll do the whole thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. So. That's what I like to do if I can. Cause yeah. I, I try to start mixing when I start recording. Exactly. You know, just yeah. try to carve it up so I don't have to work so hard and I can be more creative when I get to the mix. Right. And so then if I do that and then it gets, goes to someone else, then it, sometimes it doesn't go the direction yes. I thought it was going to go. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> but it is fun to sometimes get stuff back that sounds like way different and, and yeah. cool in a whole different way. Right. And it's fun to get things to mix that came from somewhere else. Yeah. You know, sometimes. And you can totally do your thing and yeah. take it a direction. And, yeah. yeah. So mostly it's mixing and engineering cool. these days. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things I like to talk about a lot on the show is uh, actually how to get great results from artists in the studio. Um, is there a, uh, have you ever been in a situation where an artist felt super vulnerable and how did you handle that? Let's see. Yeah. Um, I think I've definitely been in those situations. And so, you know, part of it is making them feel really comfortable where they're at. 
and they feel like they can with the setup you do they get the best they can get the best results and there's right. nothing they're missing and an, another big part of it is just uh you know talking to them beforehand talking them through it and building up their confidence a little bit you right. know because uh, sometimes they just don't know they have it in them yeah. you know and so it's it's good to be able to be able to say like hey this is how good you are. You just don't right. even know it yet. Right, right. And talk to them about that before that beforehand so they don't get in there and get in their headphones and get in their head. Right. And then they sort of like lose their confidence. Because very early on, I realized how easily an artist can lose their confidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and once that's done, it's kind of like yeah. the whole session's blown unless you yeah. can talk them back into it. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. being an artist is in the studio, especially you're very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you're exposing your heart and soul and trying to, you know, put your passion into it. Yeah. So it's a very vulnerable place. Yeah. You know? Especially with a, a new artist, or, right. you know, cause we do sessions a lot of times with these like, studio musicians that are like made yes. of steel and they, yes. they're, they're not, they're like unflappable, yes. you know? And so you're, you kind of get used to that. Right. And then when someone comes in that is very vulnerable, you got to remember like, okay, right. we got to right. take care of this right. person a little bit. Right. Um, we were actually talking a little bit before we started about um, like setting up studios to, you know, kind of make it feel like a, a creative playground. Yeah. Obviously, with different budgets and different levels of clients, you can't always go to town like yeah. that for everyone. But how do you how do you kind of work with that when you're trying to make it feel comfortable for artists? Well, yeah, try to figure out what their favorite things are, you know, mm -hmm. and have that ready if you can. And then also, really good headphone mix. If I can, I'll, and the artist is okay with it, I'll try to make it sound more like the record when right. they're singing or when mm -hmm. they're playing, and that way they get a vibe to play to. Right. And uh, that's something that I think really helps out a lot because then they have more of a picture of what their end result is going to be right. instead of just kind of being in this space where like, okay, I did my performance, and now I know you're just going to turn it into right. something. Right. Which is, I think probably harder to uh you know perform to than mm -hmm. having something set where it's like okay this is the aesthetic we're going for mm -hmm. and so you this is where you fit in right yeah well it's like you said before it's like you're sort of mixing as you're recording yeah. you know to kind of get it as close as you yeah. can to yeah. inspire them you know yeah i think that's a good a good way to get people inspired and yeah. to keep people interested because i've also done lots of projects where it's like okay We've, it's been requested by whoever that we just record it very flatly and very right. simply so that we can manipulate it later. Right. You know, and that's okay. And I understand that workflow, but for, I think for the artists, it may be kind of like a little bit too sterile where they don't know yeah. what they're supposed to do exactly, <laughs> right. you know, because they don't, exactly. they can't hear where it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, a lot of a lot of what we do is, you know, quote unquote, reading the room. Yeah. But what do you do? You know, how do you read the room when the energy feels off? When you, when it feels like you know something needs to be tweaked? What do you do in those cases? Well, usually I'll try to do something to either, like I'll take a break or I'll do something to just lighten the mood a little bit. Right. Like try to just get people to have fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really great at sunset sound. They have the basketball court. Okay. That's one of my biggest tricks is just like, okay, <laughs> let's just go shoot hoops for five minutes. And then right. all of a sudden people are like 
forget about what they were doing and wherever they mm-hmm. were, if they were in their head, and they just kind of shoot some hoops and have fun and smiling. And it seems like you always get a better take when people are having right. fun. Right. You know, so whatever it is, if it's just like telling jokes and taking a minute Mm -hmm. uh, to do that or to like go out and get a little exercise, play a little basketball or whatever it is. And I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And have you ever made a mistake that taught you a big lesson in the studio? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think early (laughs) on. Yeah. I think early on, you know, just probably just saying the wrong thing that sort of like, accidentally broke down the confidence of the artist a little bit, right, you know? Right. And, and I think that I learned like, okay, those, these are the things you can't say because you have to watch, <laughs> watch yourself a little bit because, right. you know, it can easily like, just like yes. take a wrong turn and then <laughs> everyone's confidence is gone. And it's sort of just like this vacuum. And right. Right. It feels really awkward. <laughs> right. Uh, so now that was, we go shoot some hoops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. So, I, yeah, I've learned the things not to say, and then I've learned, the, like, what to do in those moments when the awkwardness does <laughs> right, come. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and how do, you, uh, how do you tweak your techniques for different music styles and genres? Yeah, that's uh, something I, I definitely uh, concentrate on when I do the setup. So mm-hmm. somebody will tell me what type of artist it is. I'll try to listen to some of their old music and then I'll ask them like, what, what are you going for in this project? Mm-hmm. And, uh, then after that, I'll sort of design a setup based on what vision I have for the final mix or whatever. Right. It's get the final, uh, production is going to be. And so a lot of it, yeah, we'll just have to do with the setup. You know, I'll choose different mics, a different mm-hmm. studio, certain effects that I'll have going right. during the recording, and um, you know, whatever layout they're in in the room mm-hmm. sometimes can make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Whether Absolutely. they want to be in the same room together and they really want to feel of each other, of course, or if they want to be separated, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. And speaking of the artist's vision, is there? Uh, can you tell me about a time you really had to get out of your comfort zone? To meet an artist's vision? Hmm. I think uh, definitely there's been a lot of times where I've kind of done an extra setup for an artist because mm-hmm. it's it'll get closer to their vision. And um, it's hard to put a, like to remember a specific time. Yeah. But I know that that's one thing that I do sometimes is like, okay, this is what the artist will say. This is kind of what I'm going for. And so I think I want to be in with the band, in the, in the room with them, or mm-hmm. I want to be in a booth, or I want to be singing an overdub after they're done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of, I guess it just depends on what they want. And that'll right. kind of dictate the workflow mm-hmm. and like when they're comfortable. Cause some people are not comfortable singing and playing at the same time. Right. And so then you'll want to capture their, one of those two performances, whether it's their, their playing or their singing with the band, hopefully, mm-hmm. and they'll all sort of get their energy together. And then other times they'll just be able to sing and play and do it all at once. Right. You know? Right. So I think those are the things where like, it's important to notice which one is going to make them more comfortable. Right. Because if 
you'd say, oh, well, you have to sing and play, yeah. you know, or try try <laughs> to sing and play. And sometimes that just is too much. And, yeah. yeah. And I've even had artists where they can't sing and not play. Yeah. You know? Same thing. It's yeah. Like, sometimes they have to sing and play. Yeah. yeah. It's like I have to have a guitar yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. 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 I did one session pretty recently <laughs> where um, a lady was playing keys and singing and mm-hmm. she couldn't sing and play and sing by herself or play keys by herself and have those performances be as right, good. So she right. had to do them at the same time. Right. But we wanted to capture just the vocal, so we ended up just like putting a keyboard out that wasn't connected to anything right. so that she could play <laughs> and then sing right. and still get the feeling of playing. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, is there any techniques or approaches you use to bring out the best in a artist performance during a session? Well, I think... Um, Definitely try to have them having fun, enjoying mm-hmm. what they're doing. I think joy brings a lot of good performance out. Right. And so, you know, scheduling it at the right time when they know or when you know that of they're going to be uh, feeling right. Mm-hmm. Or also uh, having some setup that they're very excited about. It's very right. easy in a studio that's nice, like East West or Sunset, yes. where it's like, hey, I'm on hollowed ground and I'm singing these mics that these right. legends have sang into. <laughs> and like that already is like yes. something that <laughs> excites people. It makes and, the job yeah, easier. I think that that stuff is very yeah. important. And I think when you're like in the home studio, it's a little bit harder because you don't have that right. uh, nostalgia involved. But right. it's, um, I think... Keeping people comfortable and happy is is a good start. Yeah, and and how do you? I mean, you mentioned working at those kind of places. Yeah, what do you do to when you're working in like a B studio or some smaller place? Yeah, you know, I think just talking to people and trying to like make them feel good about their day, make them feel mm-hmm. good where they're at, and just feel happy to be doing what we're doing. Right. You know, and right. sort of like. Not like, oh, this is a drag. We got to do this today. And like, you know, (laughs) because I think especially for music, it's really important. It's so tied to emotion that it's so important to get people in that space. Yeah. You know, and I think that one thing that's difficult for me sometimes is when people sing really sad songs. Yeah. Because I'm just like a very joyful person Mm -hmm. and I'm lucky I had like a really good life. (laughs) Right. And so it's harder for me to relate to that. Yeah. But that's something that I'm trying to relate more to and uh yeah. talk to musicians about. I uh, actually had one of my goals is to start like a artist retreat for okay. artists so that they can cuz I do a lot of yoga okay. and meditation and so oh, nice. I want to implement that into like my day with mm-hmm. artists and we can kind of start there and get people right. feeling really good and feeling like they're just having a great day and mm-hmm. and uh good about themselves and then they're able to create easier and also to be able to like talk about if they have any pain going on or sadness mm-hmm. or anything like that because right. I feel like a lot of artists they put that into their music mm-hmm. rather than talking about it you know right. and so are there's right. like <laughs> I feel like there's room there for artists to actually talk about their feelings yeah. and then once they go through that a little bit, and then they can go in the studio and create, and maybe they'll create to, something else, right. you know, and they'll be able to unlock another area. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's one thing that I'm working towards doing. I think uh, eventually I'd like to be able to have like an nice. artist retreat 
studio where mm-hmm. I could take people. They could crash at the place and right. wake up and have yoga and coffee or whatever they want. They yeah. could meditate in the yard. and Nice. Yeah, so hopefully one day we'll, I'll be doing that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And how do you keep up with new recording technologies and incorporate them into your work? Man, it's tough. There's so much stuff going out there. It's <laughs> there like is. every day there's a new thing. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just try to learn new stuff if I can, learn the new software, go through the aches and pains of learning stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's frustrating because, like, I already have a workflow and I w- want every workflow to be like that. And right. I have to just say, okay, this is not that. And right. there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. So I go through a few weeks of learning a new software and then I learned to love it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I try to stay up with it, but it's, it's pretty, uh, intense. There's so much. Yes. <laughs> and there's, you know, I could spend all day learning a new thing, like almost right. every day. Right. So, um, I try to pick the ones that I think are going to be, you know, important right. and learn those and then, uh, just keep, yeah. keep learning them. Yeah. You know, keep pushing, even yeah. though I want to just say, okay, we're good. We, I got everything I need. It's <laughs> yeah. like, no, there's, there's yeah. always going to be something new. So of course. yeah. Of course. Yeah. I just want to take a quick break and tell you about my free snare guide in it. I go over all my techniques from drum choices, microphone placement, tuning, even mixing techniques. Check it out now at brennandecora.com slash huge snare. And now, Back to the show. And you mentioned, you know, the idea of the retreat studio. Yeah. Like, often in L.A. and a lot of other places, when you book a studio, you book 12 hours at yeah. a time. Yeah. So how do you help artists stay focused and motivated doing a long session like that? And would you do that in your place if you yeah. had that kind of place, you know? That's true, yeah. I, I think... I mean, ideally, I would work less. I feel like you usually get, you know, you can get eight hours out of people, and then mm. the last four hours can be a struggle, depending on right. who you're working with. Some people can just blaze through. Yeah. And some people, they take a little while to warm up, you know, and then you get the mm. best at the end of the day. But right, right. a lot of times, it seems like you get through the eight hours, you get a lot done, and then the last part of the day is like you're trying to struggle to get these last few things out, and sometimes it's just, it's really hard, and you might as well wait till the next right. day. Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I'll talk to people, we'll try to take, like, breaks enough to be able to kind of make it through those long days. Mm-hmm. And for me, it helps a lot to do, like, some yoga or something that's going to be able to kind of energize me and right. my body. So I'm right. not like just been sitting at the, at the console all day. Right. Right. And I think for an artist that helps too. So mm-hmm. I think doing that and pacing it out and having certain breaks is something that's mm-hmm. good and, and could be good for the artist too, yeah. to be able to make it through a long day. So I think, if it was my studio and I, and it was an artist retreat, you know, I would start off kind of slow in the morning, make that more about, uh, self care Mm -hmm. and then have a good mid morning, midday session, and then take a break for a little while, Mm -hmm. do something else, whatever that may be, and then come back and have another session and then 
Right. You know. Yeah. Try to be done around dinner time. Yeah. You know, and not have to go back in after dinner time because that's kind of like okay, right. that's the third time we're going yes. back in. And, yes. And everybody's pretty <laughs> exhausted, and right. we're all thinking about oh, we got to do this tomorrow again. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think ideally I would space it out, but like when you're in a big studio, it's and you're paying top dollar for right. it. It's like you know you, you want to get the most it. out of it, yeah. and so everybody's sort of pushed to that. And sometimes that can be a benefit, you know. Yeah. People, especially when you're in a big studio, the pressure of like, oh, we're spending all this money and we're on this hollowed ground, really kind of can motivate yes. people. Mm-hmm. So you got to re- sort of read the room. You got to read the artists because sometimes they'll mm-hmm. be motivated, sometimes they'll be intimidated. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's tricky because, you know, as we both know, there's artists all across the board, you know, like, you know, some people will have the money and budget to, you know, just do setup days or weeks sometimes and just, you know, go crazy with it so that they can, you know, have everything set and be inspired and that kind of thing. You know, so it's like, how do you balance that? You know, I know we already talked about this, but... It's just interesting to see the different different levels of, of you know of setups and that kind of thing that people go to to do that. Yeah. Know? They're definitely different levels and just like yeah, like you said, like it just depends on the like the budget and how what it takes to make people feel comfortable. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, have you worked in um have you like gone to people's home studios and helped a people bit, at yeah. home? Like, yeah. cause obviously that's a whole different scenario because you're at your place you're not worried about the the budget or the time you know you can just go to town like yeah how do you approach it differently if you're going to someone's home studio i think it's a little it's definitely more relaxed right you know the setup is a little bit more of a pain in the ass because you have to bring <laughs> a bunch of stuff in most okay. of the time and right. set it up right and uh but it's more comfortable once you do get there because mm-hmm. then they can just oh, okay we're gonna stop we're gonna make some coffee or the kitchen's right there and mm-hmm. we're gonna have lunch uh, right here and uh you know and the fam's running around or something right, you know right. so that's that's kind of cool and also it's it's sort of like easier like you don't have to worry about the clock so much so you mm-hmm. can take a break and you can say okay right. we're done for today let's come back tomorrow right right and so yeah i think once you get it set up it's a lot more relaxed if you're doing a home studio thing right yeah and when it comes to mixing like how do you how do you handle the varying quality of tracks that you receive mm. yeah well that's a that's a big thing it's like Sometimes you get some stuff and you're kind of like, wow, this is this is not good. This is not very well recorded or this right. performance is not good. And, mm. and so, you know, there's a couple ways you can go about it. You can try to fix it if that's what people want. You got to right. kind of figure it out if they want it to be fixed mm. or if they're okay with the way that it is. And they, right. they just want you to kind of enhance it and do the best you can with it. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to read the artists what they want. And, uh, you know, also a big part of that is managing the expectations ahead of time. And, yes. you know, seeing, okay, this is what you gave me. This is what we can do in this amount of time. Or if mm-hmm. you give me this much time, this is what we can do. You know, like, what are you right. trying to get out of it and sort of gauge that before going in because i'm sure you've been in the same situation where it's like 
you think you're gonna get you're gonna do one mix but then you end up working on it for like weeks on end because <laughs> you didn't realize the expectations were right. like way further than what you thought. Right, right. And so I try to gauge that right away. And then like based on that, I'll say, mm -hmm. okay, this is how much I'll do it for. Or maybe we should just do it by the hour because we don't yeah. know how long it's going to take. Right. You know? So yeah. depending on the project, I'll sort of gauge it and then I'll give okay. them That's an idea. Yeah. Because yeah. I've been in situations where they're like, okay, I'll do, I'll do it for like, you know, this, this much money. But then it ends up taking like way more time than i yes. thought and then yeah. if you like divvy that up by the hour it, you'd be making like peanuts so, <laughs> right right so i sort of <laughs> learned my lesson and so yeah. now i'm like okay if if i understand what they want then i can give them a price for just a mix mm -hmm. but if i don't really know yet i'll just say okay we'll just do it by the hour the right. first few songs and we'll see how long it takes right you right know? for sure for sure now i can definitely be tricky you know that's <laughs> one of the biggest things when i work with clients is figuring out like the first question is how much do you like your rough mix yeah you know because you know it may not even be a great sounding rough mix but if they love it then yeah. you know they don't want it to change very much then it's still like that's that can be okay you know you can yeah, still totally. take you know go go with that and but then it's it's tricky because if you don't know that then it's like oh this is not a good mix let me totally take it somewhere else and then they're like what the hell this yeah. is not what i wanted you know yeah so it's definitely a fine line you know, yeah for sure i've definitely learned in the last couple of years that to, to stop myself when mixing because i've definitely taken it way too far <laughs> right and then people are like oh what take this stuff away you know and right. then i realize oh like i shouldn't have spent those last like three hours on the mix i should just stop <laughs> right you right. know so now i've learned to like stop and just send it to them and yeah. even if i don't think it's perfect they'll right, give right. me their notes and that's going to be way sometimes you have more to, informative yeah. than me trying to just like exactly guess on it so yeah, exactly and especially now that so much of the work is remote with yeah. mixing too it's yeah. like you really don't have them in the room to say oh yeah. this isn't quite the direction let's yeah you know so it's that's all you can do you know mm -hmm. it's interesting um so what are some i mean if you can share what are some current or recent projects that you've been working on uh yeah um so currently I'm kind of doing this ongoing project for this guy Sergio mm -hmm. and um, it's just uh, a passion project for him and he's got a cool band it's kind of like a 80s boogie kind of funk okay. band and so it's like drums and bass and guitar and a DJ and him hmm. and so they're all kind of live and it's sort of just an evolving project. It started yeah. it started as them jamming and then they're sort of coming together with songs. So it's like they're just kind of this evolving project that hasn't I don't know if they've really found their exact sound yet, but they're mm -hmm. still searching for it. So it's kind of fun to be a part of something that's like emerging right. like that. Yeah. And then um I've been doing lots of orchestral stuff. Oh, which yeah? is really fun. Nice. Uh, you know, I I think you know, that's why I sort of wanted to move to a different studio from a, a hip hop studio mm -hmm. is because, oh, you get to record bands and you have like yeah. 10 different instruments and you get 
to put up so many mics and really kind of craft a cool sound. Right, and right. then the next level of that is sort of like, okay, now you get to do some orchestral thing. Right. So where you have all these really cool classical instruments. Mm -hmm. And so I've been working with this group called uh, Wild Up Orchestra and this producer, okay. Louis Peskoff, um, on a bunch of different projects, uh, mostly for this Julius Eastman uh, mm -hmm. um it's, a, it's like a three-volume series, I guess you could okay. say. And so we've done three volumes, and we're st I think we're still working on some new ones uh, coming up soon. Nice. And so that's been really fun, you know, just to record strings and brass and woodwinds mm. and right. kind of orchestral percussion and get everybody in the room together. You know, I think we packed like a 25-piece in Studio 2, which is oh. a lot for that, that studio. For that room, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a big room, but once you start getting the orchestra in there... It, it gets small really yes. quick. Yes. And Ruckus was there. He was just kind of like weaving in and out <laughs> of the chillas. And nice. uh, yeah, so that that stuff's really fun. Nice. And so I remember we worked together at Sunset one time yeah. and you had the dog there. It oh, was yeah. awesome. Yeah. That, honestly, that's a cool trick for inspiring oh, yeah. the artist to keep them true. people chill. No, and, I know. You know. Yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> people love having Ruckus there. Yeah. He's just like this little therapy guy. He's so chill. Right. And then. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, in between uh, takes, they come in and just hang with them. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, people say, like, yeah, you got to bring Ruckus. Right. <laughs> you know, don't leave him home. Right. So, that's yeah, awesome. that, that's true. That is good. Nice. It's good to have just any type of, like, thing that's a break where right. people's minds can get off of the music for a minute. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I like to wrap up each podcast with the same few questions for everyone. Uh, the first one is, who has been your most influ influential teacher? It's mm, a good question. So many good teachers. Being an assistant at Sound Factory and Sunset Sound, yeah. it's like all these legends come through. Mm -hmm. And I think um, mostly it's probably the artist. Okay. You know, I yeah. think there's been so many great engineers and producers I've learned from, and I think they're awesome. And they, the cool thing about that is like, they all do it a different way. Yes. And it all sounds amazing. Right. And so that really <laughs> made me learn like, you don't have to do it the same way every time. You yeah. can do it a different way, and it's going to be cool. Like, so that gave me the freedom to like try different things. So I try to right. try a different thing every time. Nice. But most of the time, I think I learned the most from the artist, yeah. you know, especially like with mixing, you know. All have a mix. I think it's perfect, and then right. they'll listen to it and be like, "No, this is not even close. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is what we wanted." And then they'll show me, and then at first I'll kind of begrudgingly be like, "Okay, like right. I kind of get it," but then I let it sink in, and then I'm like, "Oh wow, like yeah. that's something I never would have tried." Right. You know. Right. And so they really Absolutely. enlightened me there. So I think I learned the most from the artist. Yeah. You know, but awesome. I've learned this huge bag of tricks from all these producers and engineers mm -hmm. out there, of and course. just like there's just like too many to even know who's yeah. name who's the <laughs> one that exactly. has taught me the most but yeah awesome yeah cool uh the next question is if you go to a new studio what's the, your favorite reference track what do you put on mm. to learn the room and all that Ooh, that's a good question well there's a few different ones you know i'll put mm -hmm. on like a modern rap song like run the jewels or something okay it has like a big ass bass so I can learn the, the low frequencies, yes. you mm -hmm. know, and then I put on like some old classic track, like old Lionel Richie okay. all night long, 
you know, mm-hmm. and just because that song is very dynamic and just like sort of pops out the speakers. Right. So that's fun to listen to in there too, nice. and see, you know. And then um, probably something with like some heavy guitars too, like a rock song. Okay. Like I don't know, like Nirvana or something yeah. like that. Like yeah, yeah. just so to be able to hear how those, you know, guitars are sounding in the room. Right. Right. Yeah. Nice. Uh, last question. What would be one tidbit you have for an upcoming engineer? Hmm, a tidbit. Hmm. I think uh, just wherever you end up at, just try to stick with it as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I mean, I think that's what happened for me. Like, eventually, like, I had a great gig at Sound Factory, and then... And that took a little bit for me to get the gig there because right. I was the the runner and I had to wait for an assistant to leave. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I sort of stuck around after Sound Factory got sold, uh, floating around and just right. uh, freelancing. And then eventually somebody left at Sunset and mm-hmm. and then they, they called me to, to assist there. Yeah. And then I was just assisting for you know, a long time. And then I started to get engineering gigs because right. a spot opened up, you right. know, and if I had just given up, I probably wouldn't have got so many Absolutely. opportunities or if I would have just said, okay, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. You know, I think that's, it's very hard to get those opportunities if you're just doing your own thing in your home right. studio to get right. those type of clientele to come to you. Mm-hmm. But if you're at a big studio and you got a foot in the door, yeah. eventually those opportunities are going to come. Right. You might have to wait a long time. It might be sort of frustrating, but I think that that's yes. something that's benefited me a lot is just right. being sticking around because, you know, eventually there's there's going to be a day where they're going to need need you. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Stick no, with I, it. I definitely agree. Like yeah. there's, as you know, you even mentioned like, you know, most of your classmates originally didn't yeah. don't even live here anymore. They yeah. totally left town. And I know, you know, countless people that have come into the industry and worked as a runner for a little while and then given up and left, you know, so it's, yeah. that's a great, that's a great tidbit is to just stick it through and, you yeah. know. Stick with it. It's it's going to be tough and yeah. you're going to get frustrated and you're going to mm. get probably bored and, um, right. You know, but if you can find a way to just like scrape by until you, and those opportunities right. will come. Absolutely. You know, but nice. it takes a while. Yeah, it can. Yeah, it can. it can. If you, sometimes you get lucky and <laughs> you just like yeah. hop on a train and you're I've there, seen people but people get lucky too. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> for most people, I think it's just like grinding it out. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Awesome. It's great, dude. Appreciate it. I'm glad uh, we did it. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks so much for checking out the show. Make sure to subscribe for all the updates, and I'll see you next week.